0: One,
1: two, three, four. Oh, yeah. all right. Hearing those dipsticks cheering and yelling in the background, uh, all you guys that cheered and jumped up and down like kids uh, when she announced she was voting no, you can all kiss my ass, Okay. I don't know how else to say it, you can all kiss my ass. Every single one of you dipsticks should be embarrassed for the way you've handled this entire thing. Every single damn one of you. From the knuckleheads on the city council, to the jackasses at the Port of Seattle, to the Safe Soto people who are walking around like morons, slapping Safe Soto stickers on people's backs when they don't even know about it, when the Port has brought nothing to the table at all in terms of hard data. That shows that jobs will be lost if, God forbid, a basketball team plays after 7 o'clock at night.
0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. And we are back at it once again. Took a couple weeks off, but here we are actually right in the midst of sports wonderlust. I tell you, Dave Richardson, really the sports world is kind of in this it's kind of too good to be true, period right now, isn't it?
1: It's good. It feels good right now. I'm enjoying being a fan of the Northwest. I'm really happy with the blazers been doing. and Kurt, I know how excited you are. Oh, I'm so about excited. the Mariners. and the draft, I thought went really well on top of that. And so you know we're covering a lot of our bases here. Um, in terms of the Northwest, that uh, that I'm feeling good about.
0: Yep, yeah, got a good show ahead of us today. We've got a lot to jam pack in there. <laughs> pack on in there. <laughs> oh, where do we start there, Dave? I guess you got to start. I guess we got to start with the draft. I guess that is what. That, that I was guess, a while ago. I, I mean. Since it was so long ago that we should probably address it. Actually, you know what, Dave? It wasn't that long ago. It was nah. only like a couple days ago.
1: Give me some highlights, Kurt. What did you like from the draft? Highlights,
0: highlights, highlights. I would have to say the highlights of the draft was we had a get drafted.
1: Yep. Which Should've is always a good
0: highlight. And Seattle probably had one of the best drafts in the dra- in, in the league. So you know, when you look at that, Seattle crushed it well, you know, I was with you, Dave, over the weekend, and we talked about this briefly, but it's funny how you know when we look at this and and what Seattle did in the draft, how everybody' everybody and even you and me talked about how they crushed it, just flipping hit it out of the park, right got guys that they needed with the, you know, with the positions that were of need. They got some studs in the running back spot, filling in some depth there. Probably got the number one run-stopping defensive tackle. I think there's, there's some part of that, Dave, that makes you scratch your head and wonder, wow, is this a good or bad thing? Yeah, Because yeah. the Seahawks were always under the radar or they were always being bashed for how bad they were doing in the draft. And look at how those panned out. So it's either <laughs> going to be these guys are going to be all pros or it's going to be a complete dud. Yeah. I don't think it's going to land in the middle.
1: You but... know, that that draft, those draft grades and things like that, I mean, they are pretty much all BS. Nobody really, really knows. You have... You know, a bit of a guess. But really, it's just to have more content to talk about the NFL before the season starts. It takes three years to judge a class. Um, So you have some idea, you know, uh, of how things are going. But, you know, I agree. I was with you, Kurt, where I was almost a little concerned. Um, You know, I thought there's no way we're going to take Jermaine Fetty because everyone had him going to us in the mock draft. And I was like, well, the Seahawks are one of the more unconventional teams when it comes to the draft. We usually pick someone that should go in the second or third round with our first round pick. And we, we never do what the people are, you know, what all the talking heads are saying never. we're going to do. Uh, and then that happens. But I wasn't upset with it because, uh, obviously, Kurt, we both know how terrible, as we did that podcast on the offensive line, that was such a,
0: <laughs> what a disaster. such a
1: cruddy podcast to have to do anyways. But to see us go offensive tackle, offensive guard, you will probably play in the first round, got another one in the third round, and then got a center in the sixth round. That's three offensive linemen. Um, so I was excited about that. And then we took three running backs, which threw me off a little I threw, bit. That uh, was um, definitely a wrench. It makes me, makes me think uh, that uh, obviously Fred Jackson, his, his days are over, uh, probably with the NFL completely, but they mustn't have a lot of faith in Kristen Michael either. Um, you know, the Seahawks last year, obviously, they had a lot of injuries at running back. They had DeJuan Harris. Yeah. Nobody even knows what he's doing these days or really where he came from to begin with uh, starting a game for us. and Now we have a lot of running back death. I really like C.J. Precise. I'll be honest, I hadn't heard much about him before the draft. I'd heard more about Alex Collins, the running back we took out of Arkansas. That's a physical runner with a lot of power. He kind of reminds me of Spencer Ware, who the Seahawks drafted a few years before, before cutting him, who was then doing really well at the Chiefs this last year. Um, but I like the draft a lot in the sense that we went offensive line, and defensive line, uh, taking Jerron Reed and Quentin Jefferson. So it feels, it feels weird. It feels like this is the draft that everybody wanted us to have, which again, that almost makes it almost like we're overthinking now. It's like, well, should we have had the draft that, you know, people should have said we you know, shouldn't have had because those ones have worked out well for us. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I feel good about the value they got with Jermaine Fetty, especially Jerron Reed up front uh nick vanette the tight end out of ohio state yeah i was gonna I mention he's gonna, the tight end to be position. replacing luke wilson here yeah uh, within the next couple of years so it was a it was a good draft you said this kurt that really it seemed like every time a, someone was getting picked uh there's all this uh, talk about how how did this guy fall this far that's incredible value for the seahawks and so you have to feel good uh, at least reading about it but uh we'll see how it plays out in the field
0: yeah, I think uh, another note on the tight end position. I think that kind of shows you maybe where the Hawks feel, you know, how comfortable they feel the tight end position. uh yeah. you, you also have Jimmy coming off another injury, and you've got Luke Wilson that can possibly you know make a make an impact this season. But I think this Vanette guy is it Vanette or Vanette?
1: You, uh. You or know. Vanette. We'll wait until they announce him on Sunday, Yeah, I guess I'm gonna say Vanette.
0: Yeah. I think he's gonna be f I think he's gonna fit into this offense perfectly. Yeah. You know, he's a great run uh run blocking tight end, good hands, finds a way to get an open space, not a burner. You know, he has some he has some thickness to him. He's he has got decent size, but you know, he's yeah. not su- he's not a super athletic, you know, tight end kind of guy where a lot of these teams actually go for the super athletic Sure, tight ends that can possibly split out in that slot position, something that Jimmy really does well with. But I think we've seen that that just doesn't really fit well with Seattle. They try to, you know, they're a run first team. They're always going to be a run first team. They're they're really going to be established on what they can do. On the ground. Now, many could look at what happened last season and say, well, Russell Wilson threw the ball more than he ever has. That's not really true. He threw a little bit more, but it wasn't – it was definitely not a pass-happy offense. They had more success through the air last year um, Mm -hmm. because of the running back situation that they were in with everybody banged up. But I think uh, Vanette is really going to fit in well with – Seattle, I'm really excited to see how that's going to pan out. And then yep. they go out in late round. I think, Dave, I think this guy's going to be a really good addition to the receiving core. And Kenny Lawler, who was Jared Goff's number one target. By the way, Jared Goff, who went Mr. Number Uno, Muno, <laughs> there at number one. So, you know, uh, his number one target getting picked up by Seattle I think he's going to be a very interesting pick. He's got some good size. He's got spectacular hands. I remember the catch he made against WSU um, early in the season, a one-handed grab in the back, back of the end zone was just phenomenal. Kid's athletic. Kid's got great hands. He's got some good size. I think he's going to be a very interesting fit for Seattle, and I think that's going to be a. I think it's going to be a very valuable late round pick that Seattle got out of uh, out of yeah. Kenny Lawler. So, so that's good. I thought it was really interesting, you know, just pointing out things that are that popped up. I know everybody's kind of dissected the just dissected the crap out of the draft so far. I know we're a little late to the ball on that, but. That was very interesting. Nothing done in the secondary and nothing done in the linebacker core uh, for Seattle this year, and I guess that means that they feel, you know, pretty confident in uh, in who they have. I know that they picked up a couple guys in the undrafted uh, undrafted free agency, but definitely felt like, um, you know, with the situation they were at at cornerback. You know, I know that they signed Brandon Browner. It's going to be interesting to see how he jumps back. Can he fit back into the Seahawks scheme after he left and became one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL, going from first to worst? Uh, Can he have a comeback year for Seattle? Can he add some depth there? Uh, Seattle really ran into some depth issues At the secondary position last season, um, in that in that backfield, so that was really interesting. Nothing really done um, at those positions, and nothing really addressed. And they decided to actually, instead of investing some guys in the secondary, they went running back and they filled three three running backs, and uh, all of them could potentially have a role in the offense moving forward. So. I thought that was really interesting in, in how they have played out.
1: You know, I was surprised too. I thought they maybe would go corner uh, even early on. Yeah. Uh, they must have some confidence in some of those uh, kind of project guys they've signed the last couple of years. Um, Stanley, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, who was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. He uh, was cut by the Saints. He's a big, tall corner out of Nebraska. Kind of fits the Richard Sherman mold. He's on the roster, Muhammad Stacey. Uh, who I think we traded for from Detroit uh, is also a big corner. And so I wonder if they just have a lot of faith in the, in the development of those guys to come through. Um, and another late round guy that, I, that I think is interesting. Um, Kurt, you, you brought up a later round guy. I just want to point out Joey Hunt yeah. was a center from the TCU. They center. drafted yeah. um, and just a couple of days ago. The Seahawks had to cut five players to make room. And one of the players they cut, which I don't think anyone's going to necessarily miss him uh, was. Drew Nowak, the center oh, that started yeah. seven games for the Seahawks uh, this last year. And so, obviously, it did not go well with him at center. Um, but I was almost surprised that he was cut so early on. I mean, pretty right. much immediately. I mean, rookie training camps haven't even started yet. These are the very, very first cuts you're going to do. This is the bottom of the roster. And, and a starter, a guy who started, has starting experience for us at center was cut um and i don't think he really had much of a future with us but you think maybe he could be as a backup or make it through training camp they must really like joey hunts uh, right out of the gate um to have him and patrick lewis maybe go for the center spot and Sokoli is another guy that's been in the program um for for about a year or so so i don't know i i would love to see a good center Kurt. you know i was talking about this on the podcast before i was really hoping we'd get to see uh, some sort of I want Ryan Kelly from Alabama actually in the first round and get a guy that could be with Russell for six years and just snap the ball and hit Russell right between the hands because last year there was way too many snaps. that hit Russell right in the ankles or went over his yeah. head and he had to go scrambling, and it was just chaos. Russell could usually pull something out and make it work, but uh, it was tough to watch. So I'm, I'm going to be watching Joey Hunt uh, in, the, in the training camp here.
0: Yeah, I think overall, you, you you kind of going back to my point earlier, you have to be pleased. You, I mean, you have to be happy with what they did. It feels like every pick that they went with was a solid stud, guy that filled a need and has some substantial potential and, and fits into the Seahawks system. So
1: yeah.
0: all in all, I, I would have to say that all looks good, uh, but it's a matter of will they execute? So... Still a lot to be said, and and it'll be interesting to see how things unfold as they head into a rookie training camp here next week. And yeah, I I I think it was a successful weekend for Seattle, and and I I think there's still going to be some moves ahead. Marshawn Lynch finally going on the official retired list. He is officially yep. in the books as a retired Seahawk, and. Doug Baldwin coming through in the clutch there for you, Dave, and officially, <laughs> unofficially retiring number twenty-four for the years to come. Uh, and nobody's going to be able to have or wear the number twenty-four jersey. Good. So I think that's a I think that's a really good thing. Is Marshawn a Hall of Famer? You know, it's that's a tough question.
1: I want to say. Yes, because, one, I'm a huge Seahawks fan. He has a Super Bowl ring. He went to another Super Bowl. And on top of that, he was arguably the best running back in the league um, for at least one of the years. I believe he, he uh, tied for Russian touchdowns one year. But he's, he hit his prime in, a, in, in kind of a weird time for NFL offenses uh, relative to other Hall of Fame running backs where um, other Hall of Fame running backs have a lot more stats uh, and more longevity. Obviously, um, you know Marshawn retired a little bit early. He played another couple of years, I think. Um, Twenty nine so years think his old. His stats compare great to to other Hall of Famers, but relative to his era, I want to say he is. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I think if he would have played some more time, because they definitely factor in, uh, you know, how long a person plays. Um, so we'll see. I think his yeah. legacy is going to grow with time. I really do. I think he's going to be one of those players when people talk about beast mode. Uh, the story of him will just grow and grow. And I'm hoping by the time it comes around to Hall of Fame, that his story will be big enough that he'll be able to get in.
0: 29. What do you think? Retiring at the age of 29, he just turned 30 a couple of days ago. That's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, they always talk about that 30 year old uh, is the benchmark, is that point in time where running backs typically begin to see the decline so it is sort of an early early break for him but it was interesting I was uh, reading through something today and it compared his his statistics to Earl Campbell who is a Hall of Fame running back And Marshawn Lynch actually beat him on a number of the major statistical categories: touchdowns, yardage, uh, you know, number of games over 100 yards, um, yards per carry. There was a number of uh, statistical categories where Marshawn Lynch actually had better career numbers than the Hall of Famer Earl Campbell. Hmm. Uh, And especially, and you made one—I think you made one crucial point uh, in there and this was all done during a time where the NFL really relied on the pass. It yeah. was really a, a really pass heavy uh pre, you know predominant system where teams are throwing and, and and those are that's a those are those are running back numbers that are really going to stand out for that era. There I mean there's nobody. There's really only one running back. I think there's one running back that comes to mind, Dave. During this period where he was one of the best, uh, I think there's one running back in there that's... that's. AP? Yeah, he, AP is, if not better, during this period. He's the only yeah. guy. So during that era, Marshawn Lynch is probably, at least in the last five years, last five years, Marshawn Lynch has been by far the best running back in the NFL.
1: Gosh, how badly, Curtis, do you so, want to hear Marshawn Lynch give a Hall of Fame speech?
0: I'd love it. How love it. it would be? That be? It, I, I, I don't even know what it would be. If I'd it have to go to word, Vegas. 20, I, I would have to go to Vegas because there definitely would have uh, over and under of words of, uh, spoken. 30
1: words? would be the over and under, under? It on.
0: would be either time or words spoken. That would definitely oh be awesome. Uh, that would be, be amazing. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would definitely be awesome. So I, uh, I you know. Looking at it, Dave, I would have to say, he you know, it is it's still a tough decision. It still is because of his career is pretty, you know, his career short. is cut short. And yeah. his window of dominance was somewhat shorter than most of Hall of Fame running backs. But he was so dominant in that short window. So yeah. it's really going to be interesting how it pans out. I, man... I almost have to give it time as well. You say time, time might heal. My time might make his case. Uh, time might make his case for me. I don't know what I – I would probably say not so fast right now, but I feel like if time goes on, I think I might have to sit out a season for him to really understand the, the, the level of play he brought to Seattle. After, after him being away for one full season. So, anyways, uh, interesting story there. Kind of a sad story. The era of beast mode has finally come to an end officially uh, this week with uh, the papers being filed for his retirement. So, good for that. Good for that young man. Uh, all right. Dave, moving on, moving on. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's move to another topic, kind of a topic that uh, I know you and I have discussed uh, recently. Uh, huge, huge uh, happening of events over the last few days in Seattle. And it looks like, Dave, the Sonics are not going to be coming back oh, to Seattle gosh. anytime soon.
1: Oh, that was so bad. No
0: it. time Soon, will Seattle be getting an NFL or an NBA, NBA team or NHL? Which I'd be even more excited Or NHL. Excited. People yeah, overlook that. Too. I would be more excited about an NHL team coming to Seattle, but neither one of them are going to be coming now. It looks like in my lifetime, it looks like it's not going to be happening um, because the Seattle City Council denying the street vacation of Occidental, a tiny little street. That uh, that goes along um, just down the Soto area, just south of Safeco Field. City Council denied the vacation of that street to Ken's Chris Hansen, so Chris will not be able to build his arena in that location. That's so bad. That's it's,
1: so bad. And
0: it's really not. Uh, there's nowhere else to build it.
1: so <laughs> That's so bad. They want to go back to Key Arena.
0: Uh, I, just, it's just I feel bad. like that line
1: in Mean Girls where it's like, stop trying to make Key Arena a thing. Yeah. Key Arena is not going to be a thing. I'm sorry, but. I I just I just don't know if they are living in the same city that everybody else is up in Seattle. Like, do they not realize the traffic problems? How Key Arena just really is not a feasible place moving forward, and how much better the port would be. Um, and it's it it is a shame because Seattle really is it's an outpost for, uh, for in the sports world, you know, relative to the East Coast, the Northwest is in general. Uh, but it loves its sport. Seattle loves sports. Seattle still has major fans, which we'll have to look at, um, sure, which is amazing Seattle Mariners have been for about 12 or 13 years. Um, and and they love the Seahawks, obviously, but the Sonics, too, have a special place in a lot of people's heart. I think a lot of people feel a lot of nostalgia towards them. Um, and I think an NHL team could do great in Seattle as well. Yeah, um, I just, Yeah. it's it's unfortunate for Seattle residents. Um, when there's other, these other markets, have these teams where I feel like they could do really well in Seattle and could serve the city well and do something that the people of Seattle could really enjoy. Um, and I have to think now I'm making a bit a bit of a judgment here, but I have to think if if the people of Seattle and greater Seattle were were to open up and vote and say, Hey yeah, this guy's gonna pretty much pay for this arena, we should just let him do it in a you know pretty good pay for an arena to go. It's with other arenas, traffic's not as bad as other places, uh, it's not gonna burden us with taxes. I have to think the city would Pretty largely vote for it to happen, right. and to see the city council—it's frustrating. I have to imagine for the people of Seattle. Uh, of course, Kurt, like you brought up, the poor people are probably um, pretty stoked about it. But, that, but I just have to feel like the, you know the, the greater Seattle area would would definitely want this to happen. So it's disappointing to see the council go against it. But you, you, Kurt, you live in Seattle. Uh, you've been catching all, all the, all the, the airwaves of what's going on. What's the feeling uh, around the city with this uh, not going through?
0: Definitely depressed. I mean, I mean, that was that was a massive, massive blow to uh, the hopes of Sonic fans and and just the hopes of you know NHL and NBA basketball returning to Seattle. And I think like one of the things that people don't <laughs> You know, people don't realize or people forget, especially the city council. You know, this is a brand-new city council, actually, for the city of Seattle that ended up voting on this. And I think a lot of people forget, like, how dominant that Seattle Sonic team was. I mean, they made the NBA Finals twice. They won one of them. The other one was against the greatest NBA team of all time. And also, when you look at it, the, the grand scheme of things high school basketball in the Seattle area and in the Northwest I high, high school basketball in this area is one of the best in all of the country I mean, you've got you've got top talent four-star five-star guys coming out of the Seattle area every year and uh, it's rich Seattle is rich in basketball history. It's rich in basketball talent. And all these high school students right now that are in that, that, you know, that are in school have never experienced an NBA team. They have never experienced an NBA team. So uh, it's, it's super depressing on the fact that that there's just, what's depressing about the whole thing is that these people that were making decisions on this, that were, that were making their vote, they were placing their vote on an issue that they the the reason why these folks were voting no were for just asinine reasons, just terrible reasons they weren't sound and valuable reasons the reason one of the reasons why you always you always heard that the port was going to lose jobs if the arena was built and placed there. Really? The arena, the port is going to lose jobs? First off, there was no physical proof that that was going to happen. Second, guess what time NBA games are, Dave? NBA games are at 7. They're at 7 at night. The <laughs> trucks are not moving at 7 o'clock at night. The gates <laughs> close to the port at 4 o'clock. Four o'clock.
1: That's so bad.
0: And they don't they don't play on you know they play Saturdays during the day, but the port's not open on a Saturday. So there was very very little and unsubstantial evidence that the port was going to lose jobs because of an arena being built in that area. Um, Another. Asinine reasoning that they denied it is because they didn't want the taxpayers to pay and build an arena and lose the street without the hopes of a team. Well, first off, Chris Hansen was going to, if he had to, pay for the arena himself. He was going to pay for it himself. And if he needed public funds, a partnership with the city, that that could have been done, no problem, and that the arena would not be built until a team would be coming to Seattle. Who in the right mind would spend 700, whatever, you know, 500, 700 million dollars on building a new arena with the hopes of having an NBA team? I mean, that would just... Chris Hansen is a rich and smart man. There's a reason why he makes a lot of money, because he is a smart businessman. That would be one of the stupidest business decisions anybody would make to build a $500 million stadium arena without the hopes of an NBA team coming? Are you kidding me? That I mean, that reasoning in itself was one of the dumbest things that Elisa Herbold, one of the city council members, made. The reason why she voted no, because she, she didn't want to put the hopes uh, of just building an arena without the team. They wouldn't build it without the promise of a team coming. There had to be a team coming for them to build it. I mean, it's just it was just time and time again. That uh, these city council members voted no for just some of the dumbest reasons. They weren't. They weren't sound. They weren't educated. They just were. They were just not well thought reasoning to voting no. They just voted no because it was easier to vote no. It was easier for, to them for them to vote no than vote yes, and that's that's the reason. So.
1: And, you know, I think what just keeps getting overlooked here, and we talked about it, is just the fact that an NHL team could come to the Northwest. Um, I personally, I don't know why I feel this, but I almost just naturally feel the sense of bitterness to teams just south of the, uh, of the Mason-Dixie line. Because it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's no ice in Arizona. Maybe no. in northern Arizona, in some areas it'll snow. But Arizona is in the middle of a desert, and they have a hockey team. Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Florida. There is no yeah. ice there. And yet they have hockey teams. It just seems like hockey teams should exist in the north. It has They're in the to. south, and there's teams that are struggling, too. Um, an NHL team seems like it could be more available than an NBA one. Yep. Um, and it would just be so much fun to have an NHL team oh, it'd be awesome. uh, to, to pull for in the northwest. I mean, there is the Canucks, and hey, I like the Canucks. So but they're Canucks, Canadian. Um, but to have you know a U.S. team, yeah, in, in the Northwest uh, would be a blast. Yeah. I think it would be a ton of fun. It's it's just unfortunate. I almost feel like the city of Seattle just and e- this even happened when when the Sonics left because the city let them out of their contract with Key Arena. The mm-hmm. they had the, the city had all the control if you watch Sonic State, and they let them walk. A lot of people you know, are upset with Dick Bennett and the NBA and they rightfully so should be, but ultimately the city could have kept the team, could have forced them to play at that contract for a few more years and probably held out for longer. Um, it's almost like the city just doesn't really care uh, about the NBA or, uh, I almost wonder about professional sports in general. Sometimes, um, if it just doesn't see as it being really a benefit to the city, if it's just you know Seattle wants to have this different view that maybe feels sometimes in other parts of the Northwest to do their own thing mm-hmm. and just make such a challenge, so many hurdles, so much uh, bureaucracy to get things done. Where I feel like in other parts of the U.S., uh, where little, it just seems a little bit easier to get sports deals done. Um, and so it's unfortunate that that Seattle operates that way, and you know, it, it just mm-hmm. it, it's a bummer because you know I remember seeing signs when Oklahoma City first played in Portland, where a bunch of Sox fans came down and said, you know, uh, thank you, Clay Bennett, uh, for, you know, for taking away... You know, part of my childhood, it was a little kid holding a sign. You know, it, 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 there's there's an intrinsic value to sports. Right. Uh, which is growing up, I can remember the first time. You know, I got to go to a basketball game, or uh, you know, the pictures of me you know, growing up wearing a, a blazer hat or whatever. And it's fun. You you grow this this you know fondness to them when you're young. Like you brought up the the, the the high school ballers up there don't don't get to connect with that. You know, and and I think over time, as more time goes, there's gonna be more apathy towards the NBA in Seattle. Um, And it doesn't make sense for the NBA too, from a business standpoint. You know, Seattle's a big market. You think you'd want to get in there, and it's just—it just seems like a a shoulda, woulda, coulda opportunity. And it's—it's—it's really unfortunate, and it could affect uh, you know a lot of people for a long time, like you're saying. Maybe, maybe not in your lifetime. It's gonna be up there, and I really hope that's not the case. I hope in a few years uh, things change and, and the team moves in quickly. You never know um money has to be persuading all sorts of things uh to happen so we'll see uh maybe what plays out in the future but uh it yeah. it's, just sh- it's it's really it's really unfortunate so it's too bad career. yeah
0: super unfortunate so pity us um we have uh Neanderthals running our city city council so <laughs> i think it's <laughs> it,
1: people think they're too smart for themselves maybe it's the complete opposite uh, it's just pathetic so
0: anyways moving <laughs> on moving there's on.
1: two there's two things i want to talk about yeah um but we might we might need to save them for next weekend uh next week um because i we've a lot of time left but the mariners right now i think everyone can agree Just, that they're going to the World series um and Just. the blazers still have a coin flip chance of winning at all that's how i feel right now
0: well the blazers um they still have their work cut out for them that's for sure uh, I think the Mariners have already pretty much won the World Series, but the Blazers, they still have some work cut out for them. So. They yeah, really, a lot of the
1: Blazers already won their own their own World Series and getting past the first round of of the NBA playoffs in right. my lifetime. Since I really became a fan and um, you know was was old enough to really be able to digest all that was happening, I've only seen them move past the first round of the playoffs twice. Ugh. That's including this year. Wow. Only once before did I remember moving past the first round, that was the Rockets game. This year to beat the Clippers, which the Rockets and the Clippers, let's be honest, they are for sure the Slytherin of the NBA. They are the right. most most detestable team. are the easiest to dislike. They have um just the rosters that you just hate to play against because they're really talented, but they're really whiny and they flop a lot. They just play the way that you can't stand. You love to root against them, and so for the Blazers to knock out both those teams of play so good. And I don't even care that the Clippers were injured. I don't care. At all the Blazers have so many injuries. It's completely demolished our, our team in the last, uh, for our whole history, we have a bad history. And so for an injury to finally benefit us, I'm completely okay with it. I don't want to see injuries happen. It doesn't make me happy. But I'm not going to say, you know, we should have an asterisk uh, for getting out of that series. I was super happy with it. And I feel like the season has been a huge success. Uh, now I just want to win one or two at home and I feel really good about it. But Clay Thompson, as we know Curtis, he is really, really good at basketball. He's actually he really is good. Really good at basketball.
0: He's uh yeah, he might be he could be the MVP of this series so far. So, he is
1: the best shooting guard in the NBA. By far. I, I will stand by that. He is the best shooting guard in the NBA. You might look at James Harden okay, well, maybe his points per game are better, but two-way, playing defense, James Harden doesn't play any defense. Jimmy Butler, don't give me Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler didn't even make the playoffs. Klay Thompson is the best. And there's Blazer fans, too, that were pretty upset. Kerr won uh, Coach of the Year. And I obviously love the Blazers, but I just don't get it. Because some of us thought, some Blazer fans thought Terry Stott should have won Coach of the Year. Terry Stott did a great job, and he deserves praise and he deserves respect. He's a very good coach. Steve Kerr Set an NBA record for wins, an NBA record. And now, in the playoffs of their best player, they are still crushing it. And so, while we have lost two games of the Warriors, part of me is kind of like, hey, I hope this wakes some Blazer fans up to show how good of a coach Steve Kerr is because he is an incredible coach. And I think he completely deserves uh, Coach of the Year. Uh, so, happy for him for that. Obviously, once the Blazers win the series, but uh, I feel like the Blazers season has been a huge success.
0: I love it. I love it, Dave.